Well, there shouldn't be any such thing as getting tired of that song, for sure. Open your Bibles this evening to Ephesians chapter number 6. As most of you know, we've been preaching through the book of Ephesians and uh, not necessarily trying to teach everything found in it, but uh, preaching through it. And we come down to verse number 10 tonight. I'm going to read about three or four verses, and uh, I, I guess you could call this an introduction to the, to the next several messages. Probably the next seven or eight messages will be connected with this, and uh, Tonight, there are just some things we need to talk about before we start looking at the details of it. Beginning in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Most of you remember the old wrestling shows where the ring announcer would come out and uh, pull the microphone down and just before the matches began would, uh, in that notable voice, say, let's get ready to rumble. And, uh, and the fight was on. Well, you know, as a teenager in the 50s, uh, we used that word rumble back then in reference to gang fights and so Going to have a rumble down at the square or down at the railroad tracks or wherever it was. And that meant somebody's going to fight somebody and you, and you need to get ready. Well, tonight I want to borrow that phrase to describe what we Christians need to do. We need to get ready to rumble, no doubt about it, because we're in a fight. And uh, by fight, I don't mean a single battle, by the way. We are at war. There's a big difference between a fight and a war. A war is made up of a series of fights, and so that's what we're talking about. And by the way, there's a lot of at stake in this campaign. A lot of things depend on the outcome. Uh, things maybe such as the liberty of your life, the happiness of your heart, the manner of your marriage, the comfort of your children, the future of your family, the condition of this church, and the very nature of our nation depends on our attitude about this war. Since 9-11, things have not been the same here in America. We now live with a feeling of fear, and there's an air of uncertainty everywhere you turn. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but the matter of defense is now a hot topic. Uh, There's even a best defense TV show. In fact, I watch it uh, whenever I can. The best defense. 
There is a home defense magazine. There are self-defense classes all across the, the nation in every major city. And uh, having lived almost 70 years, I can tell you I have never heard so much about the need for defense. And it's obvious that we're living in dangerous times. And the amount of money we spend on personal defense is absolutely amazing. I read the other day, it was talking about home security. And lo and behold, of all of the things they recommended and spoke about, uh, the number one thing was uh, a good watchdog. Well, good night. Every farmer in the county knew that years and years ago. I mean, you pull up to a farm, you, you didn't just jump out and, and, you know, and start running up to the door because everybody had a, had a dog or several dogs. But what surprised me was this. Did you know that a fully trained attack dog to, to train them Cost between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars. Now, now, don't go pay that. Just wait till a hurricane comes along and find a stray. It works just fine. We've got a neighborhood dog by the name of Ike. He's uh, he's mostly lab, but I don't know, maybe some pit bull or something. He's just dog. But he thinks he now owns the neighborhood. Whenever Hurricane Ike came through, we had, you know, junk piled up out on the street all up and down there. And this old dog came in from somewhere and wouldn't let you within a hundred feet of him. And so I got to leaving food out in the street. And after a while, he'd eat the food. And every day I'd get a little closer to him until, well, now he shows up on our doorstep. Bev and I pulled in the driveway earlier today. No, we turned on our street. And Ike saw the car. He recognizes the car. Now, here he comes running down the street. And uh, so, uh, don't, don't waste your money on, you know, on an attack dog spending fifteen or $20,000. But uh, then I read something interesting about the Navy SEALs. And um, they use Belgian Molinos. A lot of times, whenever you see the police dogs on television, you think those are German Shepherds. They're actually Belgian Molinos, and they're a very highly intelligent dog and so forth. But in addition to the fifteen dollars to $20,000 for training the dogs for the Navy SEALs, they spend another $25,000 in surgery for those dogs. Really? They take out the incisors, pull their teeth, and put in titanium teeth. I'm serious. Where they could literally tear your leg off and never pull the tooth out. Not only that, but then they have a, have another surgery where they sew the stomach to the walls of the abdomen. And that's whenever they, they call it roping them fast. What, I guess that, you know, put a rope around them, let them down over the wall, or whenever they parachute out, that's to keep them from twisting up and getting hurt in some way. So, they take it serious. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what in the world does this have to do with getting ready to rumble? And what does it have to do with a, a, a message from the Bible? Well, you know, maybe, maybe more than what you might think. While many people will go to a great extreme to protect their person and their property, 
they pay no attention to things that are of much greater importance. In other words, we get burglar bars, burglar alarms, attack dogs, a loaded gun, and we've got everything ready because we realize there are people that want to hurt us. And some of the same people that understand this don't realize that we're involved in a spiritual warfare, a warfare that touches every single area of our life. And that's a shame. Christians ought to know better than that. Now, with that in mind, and considering where we're going in the next few messages, considering what we just read here from the book of Ephesians, I want you to think about three things that are necessary if we're going to get ready to rumble. Number one, we need to recognize the adversary that we fight. Recognize the adversary we fight. Paul talks about that in verse 11 and 12. Notice he said that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual weakness in, uh, wickedness in high places, you see. Now, a lot of folks ridicule the idea of the spiritual realm. They believe there's no God, there's no devil, there's no heaven, there's no hell, but they're wrong. Just because you ignore God does not mean He doesn't exist. Hell is real and the devil is real. Now, there's a lot of things we could say about the devil and will, perhaps later on in another message, but... Just some things that you need to remember. And how many of you ever read the, probably not very many unless you're a veteran, uh, The Art of War? Anybody other than Fred ever read The Art of War? <laughs> Anybody? No. Oh, 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 all right. Well, that gives you some, some idea because it's, it is described as the definitive work on military strategies and tactics. And, uh, and believe me, uh, uh, you know, our troops, especially those when they get higher up and in training and so forth, uh, most of them are required to read that. Now, listen to this quote uh, out of The Art of War. It was written by a Chinese guy uh, by the name of Sun way back of when? I think the 7th century or something like that. Isn't that amazing that, that, that our troops today are, are still learning how to conduct a war based on what some Chinese warlord back in the 7th century said? But listen to this quote. If you know your enemies and know yourself, you can win a hundred battles without a single loss. If you know yourself but not your opponent, you may win or lose. If you know neither yourself nor your enemy, you will always endanger yourself. The point is, we must know our enemy. General Douglas MacArthur, he wrote an article entitled Requisites for Military Success. And here's what he said, quote, First of all, there must be morale. He said that a fighting force must be united. In other words, there has to be a will to win uh, and a sense of a cause that is worth dying for. Secondly, he said there must be strength. The soldiers must have adequate training and must be well equipped to do the job. 
Third, he said, there must be an adequate source of supply. Lifelines must be kept open so that those at the front receive all that they need to win. But, he said, by far the most important, in order to prevail, you must have a knowledge of the enemy. Quote, the greater the knowledge of the enemy, the greater the potential of victory. Now, in the messages to come, we'll consider some things in detail, but for the time being, I want you to think about some things pertaining to the adversary that we fight. Number one, his goal is to destroy. Satan's not playing games. He's not out to just hurt you. He wants to destroy you in his effort to dethrone God. And by the way, that's what it's all about, whether you realize it or not. You know, don't take it personal. You know, you're not that important and neither am I. To think, you know, somebody says, well, the devil made me do it and so forth. Just like we, you know, we're, the devil's personally given us that attention. The, the real battle is between the Lord and Satan, but Satan's involved in the lives of people because he wants you to rebel against the kingdom of God. In other words, he doesn't want you to recognize God's authority over him. He wants to be that authority over you, and he's out to destroy. You. Whenever I was a kid, and many of you can testify to this, us boys growing up, you know, they keep talking about bullying today. Well, it's just establishing a, peck or, a pecking order basically back then, and it's always been that way. All of the boys would do it, find out who's the toughest, you know, and so forth. And so nearly every night there are fights out on the school ground, and, you know, you, if the parents stayed out of it, everybody got over it. And, uh, you know, you just thought when the fight was over, it was over. That Nobody's trying to kill each other. You know, you just want to see if you could make him cry uncle. Just get him down, you know, and show him who's boss. But let me tell you, Satan's not playing that kind of a game. He literally wants to destroy you and everything that's dear to your heart. So his goal is to destroy. Secondly, he doesn't fight fair. It's being said that the first rule in a knife fight is that there are no rules. That's right. I mean, I hope nobody ever spends any time in bar rooms. You ought not to ever be in those rotten places. But everybody that's in a bar room that spends any time there knows that if you get in a fight, there are no rules. I mean, because you're, you're not playing games. People will, will kill you in a heartbeat. And so it is with Satan. He doesn't fight fair. You know, in the recent years, we've, you know, as a result of the terrorism, we, we've heard a phrase. It's called asymmetric warfare. That word asymmetric means out of balance. It, it speaks about a, uh, it speaks about two opponents that are unequal. In other words, you've got a large army and you've got a small army. The small army is at a disadvantage, and consequently, they can't fight the big army on their terms. I mean, we all know, we just go out there, you know, knock down, drag out, pull out war, you know, and using all of our nuclear submarines and everything like that. Why, these little nations wouldn't stand a chance. So what do they do? They resort to terrorism. 
I mean, you know, they plant bombs and so on and so forth and, and use every means they can in order to get the advantage over us. And the sad thing is, it's very effective. I mean, whenever you've got people that are willing to die for what they believe and, you know, suicide bombers that will walk in a place and blow themselves up. I mean, it's hard to defend against an attack like that. And believe me, there's no shortage of people willing to serve as suicide bombers. I wish we Christians were that dedicated to the things of the Lord. So Satan is is out to get us, and he's going to use whatever tactic works. And a lot of times, the thing that works is to attack us at our strong point. Because most generally, it's our strong points that we neglect the most. I don't know if you've uh, paid any attention to it or not, but this contrail that, that they saw there in, 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 in L.A. Uh, now, I've got to be careful what I say. I'm called to preach the truth. And, and a lot of times we get news like that and we don't know what the truth is. I'm not a news reporter, but I believe that Christians ought to know what's going on in the world today. And you can believe whatever you want about it, but I'll guarantee you one thing. I don't believe for one second that it, the contrail was made by a jet airplane, and there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. And, in fact, there's considerable evidence by a lot of our retired military people that it was something that was shot from a, uh, from a, a Chinese nuclear submarine off of our coast. Now, you know, I don't know, but what I do know is there certainly our enemies are trying to frighten us, and if we leave anything unguarded, they're going to exploit that. So we've got to know our enemy, identify our enemy. I've got to say this while we're still thinking about this matter. We've got to know who we're fighting. We keep talking about the war on terror, the war on terrorism and so forth, instead of identifying the real enemy. Now, you might not like it, but I'm telling you the truth. Listen, we are not at war just against terrorism. It's not a few fanatics that we're at war against. I've been saying for years, and you know that I have, and I've made the same statement again and again and again, you better thank God that most of the Muslims are backslidden because, listen, if they go strictly by their rule book, the Koran, if they go by that, they are taught to kill all of the unbelievers. That's what they want to do. And it's amazing to me that our president and other leaders will not and evidently cannot recognize who the real enemy is. There is a religion that we are at war with. Spiritual warfare. Not only that, but Satan doesn't give up. He's real, he's resourceful, and he is relentless. So, number one, we've got to recognize who the enemy is. Secondly, we need to realize the attack that we face. Not only recognize the adversary, but realize the attack that we face. And a lot of folks don't even know that we're under attack. You know, some of the same people that's worried about a world war don't realize that there is a world war that's going on, and it has been going on ever since the fall of man. It's a spiritual war. The problem is, too many people today 
expect Christianity to be fun, easy, convenient, and exciting. That's what they want. That's what they're looking for in it. And there are too many preachers working overtime to give them exactly what they want. I'm going to talk about this more in just a little bit. But, you know, it's all this the warm fuzzies, the feel good, and that's what people want out of it. But we get to talking about, you know, real, genuine Christianity. And listen, we've got to talk about discipleship, folks. And discipleship has never changed. The demands for discipleship it requires us to be willing to give everything to the Lord. Now, let that sink in a little while, because I didn't say it. Jesus said, unless a man forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. So, I ask you, how many real disciples are there today? Not nearly, nearly as many as we think. You don't hear much about the demands of discipleship in the average church, and you certainly don't hear much about this matter of spiritual warfare in churches today. James Merritt, a Southern Baptist preacher, I think, in Atlanta, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, made a statement. He said, the problem is many Christians, perhaps most, do not even realize it. Many of God's soldiers are asleep in the barracks when they ought to be out on the battlefield. The reason why many Christians are losing their battle with the devil day by day is because they're not even showing up for the war. In fact, I believe there are a lot of Christians who do not even realize there is a war going on. And, you know, I think he's right. I remember years ago when we used to sing, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I wonder how many people here, you know, tonight, I mean, you've probably heard of the song, but how many people even know very many of the words to the song? I'll fight him till I die. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Wow, most people don't even show up for church nowadays, let alone to think of themselves as being on the battlefield. Reminds me of the drunk going the wrong way down the one-way street. And so the cop pulled him over and he's, you know, chewing him out. And he said, hey, buddy, he said, didn't you see the arrows? And the drunk answered him and said, arrows? He said, man, I didn't even see the Indians. And so, you know, listen. There's a lot of people that don't see what's going on. And notice here in verse number 12, Paul is reminding us that our enemies are unseen. We face an invisible foe, not flesh and blood. It's not a battle of the Republicans against the Democrats. It's not you versus somebody else. It's not about you. It's not about them. It's a spiritual warfare. But just because the enemy is invisible does not mean they're not real. And we are under attack even at this very minute. And if you don't sense it, then you are A-W-O-L, absent without leave. Because believe me, every born-again Christian who has their heart right with God, that's trying to serve God, they realize there is a struggle going on between good and evil. It's like the old Indian talking about that black dog and the white dog inside of him that was always fighting. And that's exactly uh, the way Paul pictured it. When I would do good, evil is present with me. 
And that's the way it is. There's a struggle all of the time, and we need to be aware of that. Now, in that regard, you need to remember this. The battlefield is for our mind. Turn over to 2 Corinthians, back just a few pages, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I want you to notice what Paul writes beginning in verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Now listen carefully. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, the battlefield is your mind. Satan wants to conquer and control your mind. Because if he can do that, he can control you. Now, here's what you need to remember. God communicates with you through your mind, not your emotions. Listen carefully. I said a while ago, we'll get to this in a little bit because we live in a day where everybody wants Christianity to be fun, easy, convenient, a feel-good kind of a thing. And you, you remember what I'm getting ready to say. God communicates through our mind, not our feelings. Now, listen. I believe emotions are important. There's no doubt about that. Some Baptists need to wake up to that. They need to rediscover the fact that emotions are very important as an expression of our feelings about God. But you don't think with your emotions because your feelings will lead you astray. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they go into a church service, for example, and I mean, they've got a real upbeat song service, and they've got a preacher with a dynamic personality and a great auditor, and he can get up and just hold them spellbound by the way that he speaks, and they're excited, and they're jumping over the pews and running up and down the aisles and throwing up their hands and shouting hallelujah and rolling in the floor and hanging from the rafters, and they leave the service and, wow, God was really in that place. Wow, that was a real really wonderful service. And it might be the preacher just preached heresy or something. They're not even attuned to what's going on in the nature of the message they just heard. Again, emotions are very important, but we are not to be controlled by our emotions. Now, don't misunderstand. When we talk about this, we don't win the war by depending on the flesh. Paul said there in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now think about it. We don't fight in the flesh because we don't fight against flesh. I want to say that again. I want you to remember that the next time you get all ticked off at somebody and you're angry with them and they're mad at you and you think the battle's between you and them and it's not about either one of you. It's Satan that's got involved in the lives of both of you. We don't fight in the flesh because we don't fight against flesh. Our fight is spiritual because our foe is spiritual. And the very moment you started living by faith, the moment you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you entered into the fight. Like it or not, 
you're there. And the Bible commands us to fight the good fight of faith. Not to sit back and watch somebody else do it, but to actually be involved in the fighting. And hopefully, we'll live our life in such a way that we'll be able to say with Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Realize the attack that you face. And here's some things you need to realize about it. Your enemy is stronger than you are. You're no match for the devil. Uh, we, we hear these people all the time talking about going around rebuking the devil. And, and uh, you, you hear a lot of the TV preachers talk about casting out the devil. I'm going to bind the devil. I'm going to cast out the devil. I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to end up getting your ears knocked down. You're going to get hurt. That's what you're going to do. You're no match for the devil. Listen, the devil doesn't fear you. He fears your Savior. He's not afraid of you. You're not, you're not going to put any fear in the devil. I mean, he had the audacity to challenge the Lord Jesus Christ, remember? They're on the Mount of, of Temptation. If he did that, believe me, he's not afraid of you. He's stronger than you are. Secondly, he's the master of deception. And I can't wait till we get the mess, uh, to the message that has to do with this. He's the master of deception. We're not going to talk a lot about it tonight. I just want you to remember that. The master of deception. I mean, that's his M.O. That's the way he operates. Just as he deceived Eve, he deceives us. Thirdly, here's another thing you need to remember, and that is that Satan uses people. He uses people. I said a while ago it wasn't about you. It's not about the person you're in a fight with. But remember, he uses people. Sometimes he uses people to wreck a marriage. Sometimes he uses people to, to split a church. Sometimes he uses people to lead a nation astray. And, and we've got to be aware of that, folks, that he uses people. And then the next thing, the last thing in that regards I want you to think about and remember, is that we are ordered to stand. Stand. To not go into retreat, not to run the other way, but to stand. We've got a lot of folks that's thrown in the towel. They've given up hope. Now, one more thing tonight that I want you to think about. Not only do we need to recognize the adversary that we face and realize the attack that we face, but we need to remember the armor that is fundamental for victory. Think about it like this. When a soldier goes off into battle, they take a lot of different things. One of the things that every soldier in Iraq treasures are those little little handy wipes. Because they're not in a place where they can run in and take a shower. And you'd be amazed at, you know, at how much they appreciate just getting a box of handy wipes, and it helps them so much. And so they've got a lot of personal items like that, and it might be, you know, their toothbrush or whatever it is. They take a lot of things into battle, but everything is not of equal importance. Believe me, no toothbrush will ever take the place of an M1. 
You give them a choice what they're going to keep, and I'll guarantee you it'll be the weapon you see. So there are certain pieces of equipment that's fundamental to their success. So far we've thought about the reality of our warfare. It's real. We've considered the reason for our warfare. We've considered the responsibility pertaining to our warfare, and that is to stand. But here I want you to notice the resources here in verse 11 and again in verse 13. Notice, put on the whole armor of God. That's the resources for the war. We'll deal with each of those, you know, individually later on. But here's the point. God provides everything we need to be victorious. I believe that with all of my heart. God provides everything that I need to accomplish His purpose in my life. That that means I don't have to depend upon other resources. By the way, it wouldn't do any good. Absolutely nothing can take the place of the armor of God. And so whether we win or whether we lose depends entirely on our relationship with God. That's what it all gets down to. Well, you know, maybe this would be a good time to describe what it means to win. We've been talking about warfare. We've been talking about fights and so forth. But what does it mean to win? To come out victorious. We sing victory in Jesus. What does that mean? What is victory in Jesus? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to solve every problem or meet every need or escape every pain in life. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with you overcoming all of those things in your life. Winning has to do with you and I completing our God-given objectives. That's what it's about. In other words, winning has to do with us being faithful in the face of adversity. It has to do with us carrying out God's plan for our life, regardless of the circumstances, the cost, or the consequences. That's what winning is all about. Winning, getting the victory, doesn't mean necessarily that, well, wow, we finally got a thousand in attendance for Sunday school. Hey, you can, you can do that and lose, by the way. It's simply doing what God wants you to do. I want to leave you with four thoughts. Based on all of these things, four suggestions related to getting ready for the spiritual war that we're involved in. Number one, develop a warfare mentality. Now, please don't misunderstand that. I do not mean... Go out here looking for a fight. That's not what I mean. I've got some Christian friends that they think that, you know, that what they ought to do, they ought to get out here and protest every bad thing in sight. 
You'll find them down at the abortion clinics. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't protest abortion. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you can do that and still not complete your God-given objective. And they've got the idea that we need to protest against this. And Procter and Gamble is, you know, they're using a satanic symbol now. And uh, and, and, and Home Depot is supporting the uh, the gays. And, you know, you know what I mean. And they're so caught up in that. Don't you see what happens? The devil can distract us to the point that we begin to lose sight as to what's really important. And our next door neighbor is dying and going to hell because they've never heard the gospel and we're down here protesting something. So I'm not talking about going out here looking for a fight. I mean to wake up to the fact that we are in a fight. That's what I'm talking about. Having a warfare mentality. Because if we have a scriptural view of the Christian life, then we absolutely must see ourselves as a soldier clad in the armor of God and remembering that we're always at war and our spiritual alert level ought to always be in the red. That is on the highest level. We can't let our guard down at any time, anywhere. Secondly... We need to devise a forward-leaning defense. Now, that word forward-leaning is, is something that the military uses, and it just has to do with this. It simply means that we take the initiative. We don't, in other words, we don't wait until we get attacked, but we take the initiative to build up our, our defenses because we're preparing for attack. Listen. We better be ready because if you just wait until the first shot is fired, then it's too late. To be unprepared is inexcusable. So how do I prepare? How can I devise this forward-leaning defense? How can I get myself ready? Well, Bible study, Bible memorization, prayer, and, and, and so forth. The, the Christian disciplines, I mean, those are the things that get us ready and prepare us for the attacks from the devil. Thirdly, not only must we develop a warfare mentality and devise a forward-leaning defense, we need to depend on one another. You see, in war, it's important to have allies and comrades. The same is true in a spiritual warfare. Folks, we need each other. You make a big mistake to suppose that you don't need the church. Everyone needs someone. We need one another. The Greeks understood that 700 years before Christ, and they developed a system where the soldiers would stand shoulder to shoulder, and then they would put up their shields in front of themselves to protect themselves. Now, Here's some soldier that gets separated from the other troops, and what? He's an easy target, right? You mark it down. You get out of fellowship with the church. You start living out here running with the old crowd, and there's no doubt about it, Satan's going to get the advantage of you. We need each other, because we're all in this fight together. And by the way... Remember that the next time that some little minor difference comes up between you and somebody in the church. There's no church that's perfect. And by the way, we're all going to have our differences. 
we might as well face the fact there's some pretty downright mean, honorary people in Baptist churches. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, if, you, if you don't know that, just hang around for a while and, and they'll show themselves. Uh, that, that's the truth. There are some people that are so terribly inconsiderate and rude and on and on. And I, I, mean, I love this church more than any church on earth, but I'd be lying if I said we didn't have any members like that. Because we do. But we need to learn to love each other unconditionally. You don't divorce your wife every time that you have a, a, a squabble, every time you get in a fuss. I'm... Don't do, you don't get a divorce on that grounds. Why? Because you love one another, and we need to be bound together, you know, by the cords of love to the extent that even when those differences come up, that we'll realize we're in this together, and we're going to have to stick it out together regardless of the difficulties. Number four, we need to dedicate ourselves to the long term. After 9-11, President Bush said to the nation, speaking about the war against terror, and he said that it would not be won easily or quickly. He said, quote, we are engaged in a long war against a determined foe. He's right. A long war against a determined foe. And folks, it's the same way in the spiritual realm. As long as we're here on this earth We'll never be able to lay our armor down. We can sing about those wonderful days whenever we'll turn our swords into plowshares. Think about those wonderful days whenever we can lay the armor down and be there in heaven, free from all of the pain and the heartache and the care and so on and so forth. And like Brother Nolan sang this morning, we'll really be able to feel what it's like. And that's going to be wonderful. But we're not there yet. And until we get there, we've got a fight on our hands by a determined foe that will use every tactic in the book and do anything he can, not to hurt you, but literally to destroy you. Stick together. Stay close to God. Put on the whole armor of God. You see, God has made it possible for you and I to succeed in this battle and to come out victorious. Here's something, and I'm through. You remember this, and I'll repeat it again and again. We're not fighting for the victory. We're fighting from victory. And by that, I mean that Jesus Christ secured the ultimate victory when He died on the cross and arose from the grave. The victory's already been won. We've got all of these fights that we go through down here, but the ultimate victory has already been won by the Savior. We don't have to cowtail and give in to the devil, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There is victory in Jesus. Let's stand with our heads bowed, Father. Help us tonight to realize exactly where we are in the grand scheme of things. Help us, Lord, to see the big picture. And although we can't see the enemies around us, those 
fallen angels, those demonic beings that have united themselves with Satan, although we can't see that, we know that it's true. And we realize that we're in the battle of our life. And how I thank you tonight that you have given us all of the equipment that we need, the whole armor. And so tonight I pray that as we leave here, that it will not be with a spirit of discouragement, but more with an awareness that we're in a fight. We need to stick together and work together to see this thing called life through to the very end doing everything in our power and yet realizing that's not enough in a spirit of total dependence upon You to enable us to accomplish Your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While we sing. I have to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. Listen, that means on the battlefield. I have That's why she's here tonight, and so I hope after the service that you'll come by and let her know how, how happy you are to, to know 
and to see her willingness now to follow the Lord. Thank you so much for being here tonight, and uh, uh, let's get ready to rumble. I mean, we're, listen, we're in the fight. We really are. Uh, wow. And it just, it just absolutely tears my heart out to see what Satan does to some people and to some families. I, it, it just, you know what I mean, because you've seen it, and you know maybe personally what he's done in your life sometime or another, and, uh, and he's not playing games. So I'm just glad that my Savior is greater than my enemy. Yeah, amen. So let's bow our heads together with prayer and be dismissed. I know we've got a lot of tired people been up here all day long. Uh, practicing and so forth. And uh, Jonathan Mills, will you lead us in prayer tonight, please?